0: What a beautiful picture of what it means to have a worshipful encounter with the living Lord Jesus. I'll tell you what, no matter what we may have put our hope in, our trust in, sooner or later we find out it's not enough. And no matter what you got, nothing takes the place of when he shows up and touches your heart. Just gives you that spiritual presence. We'll never be able to explain it, but we just know in our knower that he was here and he touched my life. I don't know about y'all, I live for those moments. And what a blessing it is to know that our Lord has been raised from the dead. He lives, his spirit moves, and he can touch a person to where you know he is the true and living God. What an awesome truth. Today I want to ask you to turn in your Bible with me to Psalm 49. To Psalm 49, we're going to look at one verse primarily. We're going to take the introduction of the psalmist and what he was talking about. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we struggle with in life that God has given us the grace to overcome. But there's some powerful things that we deal with in life. I don't know if you've ever known anyone. Maybe you may be one, but an addiction to be hopelessly imprisoned to a substance or some type of thing that controls you and we know God has power to deliver us from that or maybe you've been sick you're on a sick bed you were in the hospital and you got bad news and they said there was nothing else they could do and the loving Lord Jesus healed you and delivered you from that and you may have been in a relationship that was going nowhere that you were miserable in that was unhealthy and ungodly and You prayed and he came into that relationship and by his power restored it and made it new and brought it back, reconciliation. But you know, you can be in a hospital bed and no matter how bad it is, you still hope that it's going to be another day. You can be addicted and no matter how bad that gets, as long as you just keep waking up, you still think, can these get better? And no matter how bad a relationship can get, that is something still that you always can try to hope will kind of get a little better. But there's one thing that there's one power that we'll all face. 100% of us will face this. There's not a one that will escape this. It's the thing we should be focused on the most, preparing for the most. Helping others to get ready for the most and in the church is the thing we talk about the least. We on Wednesday night, we praying for healings, we praying for sickness, we praying for relationships. But I'm here to tell you one day, my friend, we all have a date with eternity. Either Jesus is going to come and part that eastern sky and we're all going to be raptured out of here. Or we'll all meet him through death and we'll all have a grave waiting for us somewhere. I want to talk to you this morning about one of the greatest, the greatest thing God does for us. It comes out of Psalms 49, I'm going to read it and then we're going to pray. In Psalm 49 verse 15, the psalmist simply says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me to himself. I don't know about y'all, but out of all things God does for you, when it's all at the end, (laughs) that's the most important thing. Are you redeemed? Have you come under the blood, the purchasing power of Calvary, and been bought by love and God's provision? And are you saved this morning? Because let's read it one more time and we're going to pray. He said, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me to himself. Selah. Father, Lord, it's not enough in the end unless you're there, unless you come. Lord, I'm not enough unless you show up today. Jonathan and the praise team isn't enough. A whole church house full of people isn't enough. It's meaningless. It's a waste of time unless you come and you're there. Being with you, and you being with us in fellowship and communion is the greatest part of salvation. And Lord, in the end, one day we will die. We will be placed in a grave of some type. But Lord, thank you because of Calvary, because of a Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life that we might have life. We're not going to stay there. Ain't no grave going to hold a true child of God down. And Lord, we need to look to that today. We need to be reminded of that. That Lord, the greatest power of all is the power of the resurrection. You allowed yourself to be crucified to pay the price that we couldn't pay. You were buried in a grave You laid there for three days, but on the third day, you rose again. You overcame the power of the grave. And through you, you will help us to overcome it also. Lord, today, bless this time. It's not really a sermon. It's just a time to share and reflect on who you are and what you do. And I pray you'll be honored and we'll be blessed. And if there's one soul undone in here today, the day would be his day of salvation that he might be saved. And we will thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know, but most of us by now, from looking at the gray heads out there, has stood over a loved one and you realize how permanent, how powerful, how there's nothing you can do at a moment like this. But it says our God will redeem us, my soul. I believe just as our God is a triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and together all three of them make up the fullness, the complete Godhead of who God is, he created us in his image, and we are body, soul, and spirit. All those three things together make us who we are, his children created in his image. And just as we're body, that's the part of us that we live in, this physical body. It's our tent. It's our housing. The soul is the part of us who is where you see your attitude and your personality, your character. Um, you can tell from that soul that lives within the type of person they are. That's the part of us that's going to live forever. And then there's the spiritual aspect of us, the the spiritual part that connected us with God that when he looked at us he said it is good but when sin came in it corrupted that which was good and sin brought spiritual death into our lives and instantly we are all born spiritually dead that's why you have to be born again and when you're born again the bible teaches it's plain easy to see so we don't have to take time to show you But the Spirit of God comes into your life, and you're a new creature. That's why old things pass away. That's why all things become new. That which was spiritually dead, which was created to live forever in the presence of God, now is regenerated. It's renewed. And anybody who's been born again knows it's not something you wonder if it happened. You'll forevermore know that God touched me. He redeemed me. And you won't have to wonder about the grave anymore. You may not look forward to it. But you're surely not going to be fearful of it like you used to be before God saved you. And friends, today, there's a lot of people even in the church that all their hope is in the wrong things. All their focus is in the wrong direction. And friends, if you look right here, the psalmist speaking He's writing, and he says in verse 1, hear this, all peoples, everybody. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, everybody. You know, we have all these problems with dividing us up. There's the racist, and then there's the, all the different ones. He said all the inhabitants of the world. It didn't matter what color you were, where you're from. He said both low and high. <laughs> the educated, the uneducated, rich and poor all together. He says, my mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb, and I will disclose my dark saying on the harp. And look at what he says right here. He says, why should I fear in the days of evil? Friends, I don't know about y'all, but if you've been looking around, we're living in the days of evil. There's evil men that have the ability to kill millions of us by the push of a button. And I'm not so sure they're not stupid enough and evil enough to do it. We live in a time when what's going to happen tomorrow for our kids is something that we used to take for granted, but we're not taking it for granted anymore. He goes on and he says, when the iniquity at my heel surrounds me. Iniquity, that's the abundance of sin and the causes and the effects of what it does. And then he says something that I see everybody doing these days. Those who trust in their wealth. And boast in the multitude of their riches. Guys, it don't matter how much time you spend focusing on yourself and your family. And your kids on giving them the abundance of material riches. You may give them everything the American dream can offer. But if you don't give them understanding of the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, and prepare them for the day they leave this earth, you'll pay a price that you can't afford, that none of us can pay. And we tend to forget that. And look at what he goes on and says. He says, Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them by can any means redeem his brother. The NIV just says, It's not your physical brother or your biological brother. He's talking about your fellow man. None of them, by any means, no matter how much they got, no matter how good and how big they may seem to be, can redeem their fellow man, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever. So the impossibility of overcoming the power of the grave without God's help Is impossible. You can't be good enough. You can't acquire enough. You can't pay enough. You can't do enough to overcome the power of the great people who they do everything they can to try to slow things down. And they've had plastic surgery and they've worked out and they might be the best looking corpse we ever put in the dirt. But they're still going to die one day. And their soul that lives within this old body. Is going to be in the hands of the Maker, the Creator, the one who loved you enough to give you life, who loved you enough to send his Son to give you new life, so that you could be born again and redeemed and prepared so that you might overcome the power of the grave. Look at what he says about the grave. He says, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. For he sees wise men die. Likewise the fool and the senseless person perishes. And they leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is, is that their house will last forever. And do you see any preaching notes over there anywhere? Piece of paper. I must have left it in my office. I really am going to be not preaching a sermon this morning. I thought I had it in there when I come. Well, anyway, you know, as he begins to describe the grave here, listen what he says. He says in verse 12, nevertheless, man, though in honor, he does not remain. He is like the beast that perish. It doesn't matter how much money we get, how much praise and popularity from man and adoration we get it doesn't matter how big we become here on earth nevertheless at the end we are without honor because we do not remain we're like the beast he says in verse 13 this is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity who approve their sayings and look at what he says like sheep they are laid in the grave death shall feed on them The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far away from their dwelling. But, then he says, but. You ever looked at what the Bible says about what happens when we leave? Job said this. He said, for there is hope for a tree if it is cut down that it will sprout again and that its tender shoots will not cease Though its root, thank you, Brother John, though its roots may grow old in the earth and its stump may die and bring forth branches of a new plant, but man dies and is laid away. Indeed, he breathes his last and there he is. As water disappears from the sea and a river becomes parched and dries up, a man lies down and does not rise again. Till the heavens are no more. They will not awake nor will they be roused from their sleep. And then he says if a man dies shall he live again. And later on in the book of Job he says I know that my redeemer lives. He didn't have understanding like we have today. Now he did understand that he had a redeemer and that his redeemer lives. And his hope was in that Redeemer. Throughout the Bible, you see God preparing us through the Old Testament, through the sacrificial system for the Redeemer who would redeem us. And friends, the Bible says that let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of his enemy. I don't know if you figured this out, but the great enemy he's redeemed us from is death in the grave. But it's the one we talk about the most, prepare for the most, least, It's like we just act like it's not going to happen. And I can guarantee you that there's a 100% chance (laughs) that we're going to end up in the grave. What's going to happen to you after that? Well, if you looked up the word redeem or redeemer, redemption in a Bible dictionary, it literally says this. This is in the Holman Bible Dictionary. To redeem or redemption is to pay a price in order to secure the release of something or someone. Did you hear that? To redeem something means to pay a price in order to secure the release of something or someone. It implies the idea of paying what is required in order to liberate from oppression, enslavement, or some other type of binding obligation. So what it does is the Redeemer, Jesus... He pays the price to secure the release of us from the power of the grave. It's the idea of him paying what was required in order to liberate us from the oppression, from the enslavement, from the obligation that we all are going to owe God because we've all broke the law, we've all sinned, we all have a debt that we owe. So what happened is Jesus paid it for us. As far back as you can go in eternity, God's plan was always that Jesus, his son, the perfect lamb of God, would be the sacrifice to pay the redemption price for his creation, mankind. If you was to go and look in 1 Peter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, or from your aimless conduct received from the tradition of your fathers. What he's telling us was, know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like your wealth and your money. Nor was you redeemed by your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. He's talking about our religion, our self-righteousness. But what was we redeemed with? But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The Bible says without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness. And he says, when did this happen? When did he plan this? Did he go, when Adam messed up, did he go, oops, i got to have a plan? no. The next verse after it says, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. As far back as you can go, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Before he ever said, let there be light. Before he ever formed Adam from the dust. Our almighty, all-knowing, everything that will ever happen. God already said, son, I'm going to create something special. I'm going to give them free will so that they can be like us. I'm going to make them perfect in everything I can. But for them to be able to worship us, they're going to have to have free will because I don't want them to do it without choosing. So he made them. He knew we would mess up. And we did. And may I tell you, when... Adam and Eve walked out of the garden of paradise with the skins of dead animals covering their nakedness, which is a picture of their sin, that the cross was already on the horizon to pay the price that even those animals could not pay to redeem them. And so that's as far back as you want to go before he even created everything. It was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but now he is manifested. That means he's been revealed to us in these last times. So now today, you can choose Jesus. You can receive God's redemption through the cross and the the blood of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And you can be saved. It means you can be forgiven for your sins and your debt that you owe God for breaking his law. If you break the law, you owe a debt can be removed like you've never ever even done it. And he'll redeem you. And you won't have to worry about the grave. Now today, while we live... We're still looking to the Redeemer. Listen to what Titus tells us in chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're looking to, but I ain't looking to an election. I ain't looking to making a, 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 great, a greater place down here again. I'm looking to the coming back of my Redeemer. How about you? And that's what he says in Titus. We, those of us who are saved by grace, are to be looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. Why did he give himself for us? That he might redeem us. Why did he have to redeem us from every one of our lawless deeds? Our lawless deeds, we broke the law, we've corrupted ourselves. We're all outlaws and we're, we're, we're sinners in the eyes of holy God. That's why there's no price you can pay to fix it. Only he can fix it. And friends, listen to this. He goes on, he says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for his self, his own special people. You see, guys, we've got this corrupted thing. God loves everybody. He does love everybody. But you don't get to heaven because God loves you. You get to heaven because God saved you. And, friends, God did not only put his son on the cross because he loves you. He put his son on the cross because he's holy and righteous and just. And we had a debt to pay that we couldn't pay. We were hopelessly enslaved imprisoned by our past and our weakness of the flesh and we all owed a debt we couldn't pay so Jesus paid the debt because God's holy and righteous and judge but he's also loving and today he desires for all men everyone in this room no one to leave here unprepared not able to go to heaven. He wants you to come to the Redeemer, his son Jesus, who took your place, died on a cross, shed his blood, let his body be broken and suffered for you so that you can now live with him forever. I don't know about y'all, that's an amazing thing to talk about. And the reason it's so important is not because we get sick and we need to pray and heal people on Wednesday night, not because we have bad relationships that cause us trouble and we need Jesus to forgive us and help us forgive each other. All that's important. The reason it's most important, though, is because we all have a grave waiting somewhere for us that has power that we can't overcome that only God can do that for. But not only are we looking all the way to the past, to the redemption and the Redeemer. Not only do we every day look to the skies for the coming of the Lord Jesus, our great God and Savior, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from our lawless deeds, so he might purify us to become his own special people. But God, listen to this. When we get to heaven, have you checked it out lately, what you're going to be doing in heaven? There's a song I love called the Revelation Song. Worthy, worthy. The Lamb. It's what it's all about. And friends, when you get to Revelation chapter 4 and 5, God opens a door and He lets us have a peek into the throne room of God in heaven. And they're gathered up there, and they're, 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 John gets to see it. The revelator gets a revelation. And listen what he says. He says, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And to the dismay of a lot of people, they sang a new song. Something you never heard before. Something you never sang before. And guys, but you did know who they sang it to. Because you've known him all your saved days if you belong to him. He says, they sang a new song. You are worthy for you were slain. And have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Friends, if you've got a problem with racism now, you're going to have a real problem when we get to heaven. They're going to be black people and white people and yellow people and half-colored, different colors of people all gathered together. And the only common denominator is going to be the lamb that was slain through the blood that was shed. We are all okay. Amen? We don't need critical race theory to come teach us. We only need to get a good dose of Jesus, get under the blood of Calvary, and get your heart changed, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and you'll love everybody. Can I get an amen? And when we get to heaven, there's going to be this glorious gathering of every tribe, of every nation. And we're going to all stand for one purpose and one purpose only. He who shed his blood, who gave his life, the Lamb of God who took away our sins and the sins of the whole world will be forever, ever worshipped, glorified and exalted in heaven if you don't like exalted him now and worshiping him now you might need to wonder about heaven amen because listen what he says saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing friends as far as you can go back God had a plan to redeem us. Right now, his plan is for us to focus on him, to look to him, to be thanking God for him, that we are redeemed, we are his special people, that he has paid the price we couldn't pay. And friends, you know what we all focused on most of the time? All the things that God can bless us for here. I don't care how bad it got last week, I don't care how bad inflation got, I don't care, maybe you lost your job, maybe you lost more money in the stock market and you just had to take a double dose of aids over it. I don't know what could happen that could be bad and detrimental here. But no matter how bad it gets, nothing can be as bad as not being prepared for the grave. <laughs> and, and he's made a way. There's victory. I, I'm kind of like old Paul. I love what Paul wrote in the, in the resurrection chapter, in the 15th chapter of Corinthians. He gives the greatest understanding and the greatest defining and showing of the theological truth of the, revel, the, the resurrection. And when he gets to the end, he says, O death, where is your sin? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, there's a lot of things you might ought to fear, but the grave ain't one of them if you're born again. If you're saved, because we've been overcome. I don't know if you remember, but there was an old boy named Lazarus. (laughs) In the 11th chapter of John, he got sick. They told him, hey, our friend Lazarus is sick. Jesus said, oh, we're going to wait. Jesus waited till he was dead. He said, this sickness is for the glory of God. They wait, they get there, they're crying, they're, oh, no. Jesus gets there, and his sister comes out and said, Jesus, if you would have got here earlier, my brother wouldn't have had to die. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And he said, do you believe this? And that sister Martha said, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. He says, well, come on, where'd you lay him? You think he don't have power? <laughs> Hold on, my sister's coming. Here comes Mary. They go, and they go to the grave, and all their Jews was all around them trying to comfort them, the Scripture says. And y'all know the story, but I just want to refresh it this morning. And they're all sitting around. You ever been there? When you're trying to comfort your lost one, loved one who lost their brother, and they're in the tomb four days. He says, roll away the stone. (laughs) She said, oh, Lord, But now there's a stench. He said, did not I tell you to believe and you would see the glory of God? Roll away the stone. It took faith for them sisters to tell them men, roll away the stone. The master said to do it. It takes faith to believe that you're coming out of a grave one day. Not by your power, but by his power. They rode it around, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And y'all know the story. He came out. There was a widow from Nain who had her only son. There was a funeral procession going. And if there's one thing Jesus could mess up, it was a good funeral. They were on their way to the graveyard. Jesus felt sympathy. He looked. It was in the will of God. He walked up. He touched that young boy. said, arise, get up. That boy got up. Can you imagine the shock the unbelief the, the 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 joy of that mother and Jesus showed power again over death in the grave but the amazing thing is he told them destroy this temple and in 3 days I'll raise it up again he said you unbelieving Wanting signs and wonders, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah and the fish. Just if Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, so will the Son of Man be in the earth for three days. But on the third day, he will rise again. So Jesus took the cross for us. He shed his blood. He gave his life. They didn't take it. He gave it. They took him down off the cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb. They buried him. On the third day, they went down there to prepare that body. But guess what? The rock was rolled away, and the body was gone. And an angel showed up and said, Why do you seek for he who is alive and who is risen? You know, I don't know about y'all, but one day there's somewhere they're going to put me in some dirt because I told Diane, Whatever you do, Diane... I don't care if you got to bury me in a cardboard box that a refrigerator came in. You put me in some dirt. And I want to answer something. I get asked all the time as a pastor, Brother Marvin, what about cremation and what about burying? What does the Bible say? The Bible doesn't really give us a definite on if you get cremated or if you are buried. But I will tell you my personal opinion and we'll tell you what the Bible does show. If you're cremated, there is nothing that affects your eternity in that it's not life and death, heaven and hell for sure, and it's not even going to be recognized once you're in eternity. But in my personal opinion, my Lord, Savior, Jesus was buried. I personally want to be buried. I look at the Bible and everybody in the Bible who was Jewish and who was of God's chosen and covenant people, as far back as you can see, Abraham, they put him in a cave. Isaac, they put him in that same cave. They got Jacob and brought him, put him in the saint. Joseph went all the way to Egypt and said, save my bones. Don't leave them in Egypt. Take him and put him with my family in the grave. And this is just my personal belief. Just like Jesus rolled that stone away, I want to chunk some dirt away one day. And when that resurrection happens, I want to be some evidence that he was there, but he ain't no more, that he came out. You said, do you think it's going to happen that way? I don't know, but I do know this, that the dead in Christ will rise first that every one of us is going to meet the Lord in the air we're going to get our glorified bodies back this body that's corrupted by sin that's going to die that's going to experience corruption and decay in the grave is going to be reunited with the glorified body that our soul that will live forever because it's been born again and it's been put the spirit of God back in it and we're going to all together at one time those of us who are still here we're going to meet them in the air but not like we are now we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye we're going to get a body that is an eternal that the grave has no power over for all of eternity a body that won't sin a body that won't get sick a body that will be perfectly prepared to do the greatest thing you can do worship and praise God can you imagine what it's going to be like to have that experience when it comes so no matter what we're going through now no matter how tough it gets right now the greatest and worst thing that we have to worry about is the grave and it's already took care of It's already defeated. And so I don't know about y'all. I look at this and I stand with that psalmist and I say, Lord, why do I spend so much time focused on here when I'm going to live forever there? And friends, you know what? If we're not careful, we spend all of our time laying up treasures here on earth when Jesus told us to lay up our treasures where? In heaven. And friends, we can't take nothing with us here we're going to leave it all behind i ain't seen nobody yet get in the grave with their bed or their truck or their car and friends today i just wanted to remind us as we get ready to partake of the communion meal i personally don't think it is something you just tack on the end of a religious service it's not just something religious that we do it is something that Jesus Christ himself asked us to do in remembrance of him and what he done for us to be redeemed cost something. It cost jesus' broken body to be beaten, to be scourged, to be punished and they put a crown of thorns upon his head, and they spit on him, they pulled out his beard, they beat him with a cat of nine tails and he took it all for us and the Bible says by his wounds his stripes we are healed and then they made him carry a cross that he didn't deserve and he carried it all the way to Calvary he couldn't even carry it. They had beat him so bad. And Jesus was a tough man. If any other man could have carried his cross, Jesus was tough enough. But he was beat to the point he wasn't able to carry it. So one of us had to help him carry it. But guess what? None of us could help him on it. None of us could help him to do what only he could do. Because he was the only Lamb of God that could die on that cross. And the Son of the living God, holy and pure and perfect without blemish, without sin, was nailed to that cross and his blood was shed and he died for me and you so that we could be redeemed. There's a song by an old boy named Big Daddy Weave. He must be Baptist. And he says this in the song. It's a beautiful song. It says, I am redeemed. He says, I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain, Now I'm not who I used to be because I am redeemed. Because I got a new name, a new life. I'm not the same. And a hope that will carry me home because I am redeemed. You set me free. How much is that worth when you die? Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? And lose his soul. So I'm going to just get real with us today. I'm talking about rapture ready real. Judgment day transparency real. Are you saved? Have you took everything. And looked at what you got to offer. And compared to what only God can offer. And said Lord I need you. And put all of your hope in Jesus. And the cross. Because today, before we take this Lord's Supper, this is not a religious thing. This is for saved people. This is for people who have trusted Jesus, not only in their heart, but confessed him with their mouth, have been willing to express their trade. They're in Jesus by publicly being baptized in obedience to Jesus as a picture of what he did for us. When we baptize somebody, that's a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's the old man being laid to rest in the watery grave. He died, he's crucified with Christ, and he lays him down into that watery grave. And that new man is being raised again to walk in the newness of life and the power of the resurrection. That's what baptism is. There's two things Jesus told us to do. To baptize believers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, to do this that we're fixing to do in remembrance of me. And we're going to do this here in a minute. And if you're not able to get up and walk forward at the end, just hold up your hand and I will bring it to you. We've done it this way up until we had COVID, but we're going back to this today. If you've never done it this way, just watch the person in front of you. Well, we're going to do what God told Paul to do. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. In the same manner he also took the cup and after supper saying this is the cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. This is not for a lost man. But right now, brother, sister, Karen is somewhere. She's going to come and play on the piano. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be concerned. You know what the Bible says right past that? It says that because some people was taking this meal in an unworthy manner, that God judged them for it. This is a serious thing. But if you think this is serious... Nothing is as serious as when we leave earth. Today, I'm just going to invite you, if I was lost, if I wasn't sure, if I didn't know, if I was redeemed, I would do what the Bible says to do. You know what the Bible says? It says that if you believe in your heart unto righteousness and confess with your mouth unto salvation, you will be saved. So what does that mean? It means if you believe in your heart what the gospel is. What is the gospel? That Jesus died for sinners. He died for you. You're a sinner. If you believe that in your heart that Jesus died for you. That he was buried. And on the third day he rose again. And now he lives today to redeem you, to save you. If you believe that in your heart, that's, you have to believe that under righteousness. But this, there's a second thing. He says in the next part of that verse. And he confesses with his mouth unto salvation. And in two verses down in chapter 10, verse 13 in Romans, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's no such thing as undercover Christians. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I don't know about y'all, I'm not ashamed to say I've been redeemed by the blood He's my redeemer. He's my only hope. I'm asking you today, do you want to join us? We're going to stand together for a moment. And if you need to be redeemed, if you need to be saved, today is your day. God died for you. He loves you. He's for you. And He will save you. He will forgive you. And everybody here who's redeemed is praying for you as I speak. So if you need to come, today is your day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Come today for the blood is ready. It will save you and wash you. So, as we prepare right now, if you need to come, I'm going to ask you to come. Jesus carried that cross up the hill for you. Would you walk an aisle for him today? Today, if you need to come, right now, would it be me? It's me, oh Lord, who's in need of salvation. Nobody wants to come. No shame coming. Boy, there's peace forevermore when you lay down when you got this blood over your life. Well, we're fixing to have a prayer and we're going to bless the bread and bless the cup. And then we're going to take communion together this morning in remembrance of what Jesus done for us. And so as we start, just as people start coming forward, you'll see you're going to take the bread and you're going to break your piece off and we're going to take the cup and I'm going to bless it. And for you, you'll dip it in. No one's going to be drinking after one another if that worries you. No one's going to be doing anything but acknowledging that this bread is the body of Christ broken for me. This cup is the blood of Christ shed for me. And we're going to take it as a remembrance for him and what he did for us to honor him this morning, okay? So as we come, the Bible says on that same night, Jesus took the bread and he broke the bread. And you can be seated. And he broke the bread. And he blessed it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And Father, tonight, today, we thank you for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was nailed to the cross, that suffered, that shed blood so that we might, Lord, today be redeemed and forgiven. And we remember what you did for us, Jesus, when you hung on that cross. When you died for us so that we could live for you. And we bless this bread today in your name. And then the Bible says he took the cup and done the same. And he blessed the cup. And Lord, today we want to thank you for the shed blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you for its cleansing power. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing to shed that blood so that we might be purified and redeemed and become your special people today. And so, Lord, today we bless the cup as we gather together as your redeemed children to celebrate what you did for us, thanking you for the new covenant that we have in Christ. And we do this in remembrance of you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.